Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. In much less detail, the podcast where we cut through the noise and give you your NFL breakdown in much less detail. Here are your hosts, Jay and Dre. Welcome in. You got in much less detail the podcast as I searched for my mute button and finally found it, unfortunately for you. Here with you live on a Saturday night, September the 9th, 2017. I'm Dre, he's Jay, and it is time to get it on the rest of week one in much less detail. It's always great to start off our week, our season with a victory. And we got one Thursday night. We both thought the line was too big. The Patriots as big nine-point favorites over the Kansas City Chiefs. And the Chiefs had something for that. They had a little answer for Tom Brady and company. Uh, Jason, what what did you see out of that contest? I did not see that result coming. We both had the points, but we did not see KC putting up 42 on the Patriots. No, and what turns out to be the worst defensive output ever for a Bill Belichick's coached team. Uh, you put, the, and you would not expect that from Alex Smith, a rookie running back, and the Kansas City Chiefs. You just never in a million years would think, you know, trivia question, twenty years from now, you know, unless it happens again and worse, you know, that Patriots defense might lead you to expect that more this year. Um, but we didn't see coming. But to this point, if somebody asked you, hey, who, you know, hey, who put it on the worst, you know, on Bill Belichick and the Patriots the worst in the history of Bill Belichick's coaching career, yeah, that's going to be a, a far stretch for somebody far from now who's not just a total football nerd who's going to go, oh, yeah, that was Alex Smith and the Kansas City Chiefs in Foxborough. Ab- just absolutely stunning. Uh, you saw a complete and utter meltdown of the Patriots in the uh, fourth quarter on the defensive side of the ball. You saw Tom Brady, not, 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 not right away at the beginning of the game. I think they had that, that energy and that pop from the crowd and, you know, getting the trophy and and their little bit excessive uh, celebration beforehand with all, you know, the celebrities and the giant trophies. Hey, look at us, which, which I didn't really think was the, the Patriot way, but they, they went there and, uh, I don't know if the Chiefs necessarily took that to heart because they, you know they should have been down or they they were almost down fourteen and nothing in that game, uh, except for a overturned Rob Gronkowski down. Uh, Bill Belichick then promptly decides to go for it on fourth down, misses it, turns the ball back over to the Chiefs and they go on uh, one of their four long scoring drives of the game um, to tie a game that looked like early it was going to completely get out of hand after that point we mostly got the 28 to 3 Super Bowl Tom Brady the the Tom Brady who was inaccurate on all of his deep throws but kept yet forcing the deep throw which I did not understand there were some sequences towards the end of that game uh one in particular where the Patriots were down eight I want to say it was at 35-27, and the Patriots had the ball, and you know, around you know their their half of the field, probably around the 20-25 yard line. Tom Brady proceeded to just throw basically three inaccurate long bombs, and I started to figure out that the Patriots' best offensive play 
was defensive pass interference for that game. I mean, if, if the if the Chiefs were clean and the Chiefs weren't getting called for uh, the DPI, then there was no real movement for that uh, Patriots offense. And on the defensive side of the ball, I don't know what you could say. I mean, you actually saw the moment um, where Stephon Gilmore completely gets caught looking into the backfield on on the uh, the long Tyree kill touchdown and gets totally beat by Hill. And you can see on the replay that, that Gilmore is just staring into the backfield, just kind of lets the receiver go because you know in his mind he's thinking, oh, hell, that's Alex Smith. He ain't going <laughs> to, oh, 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 shit. You know, and, and, you, and then he starts hustling after Tyree Kill. And, uh, yeah, we saw a little different Alex Smith. Although, I mean, I remember seeing this Alex Smith back in that NFC Championship game when they uh, had the the Giants uh, all but beat except for the, the muffed punts, the Kyle Williams game. You know, Alex Smith played the game of his life in that game, but statistically you can't, you could not beat what Alex Smith was putting up. I don't think there's a lot of people who were uh, rolling into this week with Alex Smith as their fantasy football starter and Kareem Hunt as their running back, but those two put on a hell of a show and that Kansas City offense just rolled and they had they basically got nothing other than those uh tight end shuffle screens up the middle from Travis Kelsey. Oh, and of course Travis Kelsey hit a guy in the nuts with the football. Of course. Yeah. It's after in the so, after NBC spent uh, a, a lot of time massaging yeah. Travis Kelsey and and telling everybody how much he's matured and how much he's grown up from the uh, old days and, and then he goes and yeah. and puts the football right in between a guy's legs. Yeah. Real mature. That's class act right there. So yeah, there was a lot to dissect from that game. I don't necessarily I'm I'm not gonna be on this all oh, the Patriots are done. It's over. Uh their offense still did put up twenty seven points on a better than league average defense, but to give up the forty two the way they did uh, there's some there's some major defensive deficiencies for that team, especially um, as soon as Dante Hightower left the, left the game, it totally collapsed for them. So we'll see what remains in the future for the Patriots. I don't know if they were just feeling their oats and you know, hey, we're the champs and we're unbeatable and we're in Foxborough and all these records that they had, this you know, ninety something and O or Tom Brady in that, with a halftime lead, all these ridiculous numbers. The Chiefs walked there and just pissed all over them. The, the greatest sight for me in that game was the near-empty Gillette Stadium with about three minutes left to go in the game. <laughs> like, yeah, that's a way to, way to sit around and watch your five-time Super Bowl champion team. That just get up and walk out. They couldn't handle it. They couldn't take the pain. Uh, there's a there's a lot of people trying to sort of dance on the grave of the Patriots and declare them dead or declare something. And I really think the Twitter joke of the of the day or of the uh, the last couple of days, of course, has been uh, everyone gleefully telling you that the Patriots at the moment have the worst record in all of football and there's nothing that they can do about it. And I'm like, okay, whatever, fine. Uh, I really think a lot of that is coming from just the, the hype you're watching NBC. Millions of us are watching NBC. We're watching, we're watching them tell us after the Patriots lose their best receiver for the year in preseason. 
and after one of their best defenders retires in the offseason. We're watching NBC tell us that the Patriots are setting up for an undefeated season. What? What the fuck are you talking about? That was just my jaw dropped. Like, are you? Okay, I understand I didn't pick the Patriots to win the Super Bowl in the preseason, and neither did you. But so I, maybe we might be haters, somebody might say, but come on, they're setting up for an undefeated season after Julian. This was ridiculous before Julian Edelman tore his knee up and, and, and is missing the year. This is ridiculous before Rob Ninkovich retired. After all of this has happened, NBC is trying to tell me that the Patriots are perfectly set up for a perfect season. Get the fuck out of here with that. So I think a lot of this grave dancing on the Patriots is just backlash because some of the most ridiculous quote-unquote analysis and the the quote-unquote analysis continued as the game went on because you and I both know that you're listening to Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth talk about the Patriots game. It's just going to be a mouthful of Tom Brady and a mouthful of Bill Belichick and just all night long sucking them and, and pleasing them. And, oh, my God. And we knew what was coming. Uh, but it was epic levels, especially once the Patriots offense started going no huddle and it looked like the, uh, the the Chiefs defense was dead. And I'm not above criticism. I tweeted out that the Chiefs defense was dead because they looked dead at, at one point after the Patriots got that second possession. It looked like they were about to go straight down the field for a second touchdown. I was like, uh-oh, this is... This has all the, the, the earmarks of, of the Patriots just rolling up somebody and not letting them breathe at all. And all of a sudden, that big fourth down stop. And this is where the LeGarrette Blunt defection comes into play, as I said. And, and hey, fantasy-wise, can't take anything away from Mike Gillisley. What an awesome outing. Three touchdowns. Can't take anything away. But do not tell me that he is the LeGarrette Blunt replacement because LeGarrette Blunt. I, I believe, you can correct me if you think differently, LeGarrette Blunt gets those fourth and in, in inches that they kept trying with Mike Gillisley and he kept getting stuffed. I, I think Blunt powers through and finds a way to get the first down uh, on those carries. So it's not all about the goal line. When you talk about missing a, a powerful back that can muzzle its way and get you the yard that you need, it's not just about first and goal at the two-yard line and Gillisley converting those, which he did. Congratulations to him. But those fourth and inches that he kept getting stuffed, those are just as important because in this game, that turned all the momentum around. It gave the Chiefs a chance to sort of rise up from the dead and steady themselves because they were getting knocked down and and their defense was getting gassed up. There's no doubt about it. But once they were able to get those turnovers on downs and started going the other way and Alex Smith making those quick, smart decisions that he tends to make, mixing in the long ball that he doesn't tend to have and really showing a side that he doesn't usually show. But, hey, when you get a guy drafted at your position in the first round and the team moves up to get him, (laughs) guess what? You might be a little motivated to to show a little something extra, and that's exactly what happened. And at the end of the game, it wound up being the Patriots looking gassed, and it was a complete turnaround. Nobody expected it. All props to the Chiefs, all props to Andy Reid for drawing up the game plan to get his playmakers going, to, to get his team where they needed to be, especially after starting out down. They they turned it around. They rose up and they, and they caught the Patriots napping. I think the Patriots were feeling themselves, especially after the fast start. And I think they maybe let up a little bit. 
But I also think there's some guys that they're, I said in the preseason, they're going to miss LeGarrette Blunt. They're going to miss Rob Ninkovich. And Ninkovich, he, he's the type of defender that makes those defensive plays in the middle of the field that they need it. And, and like you said, after Dante Hightower went down, there was nobody there making those plays. And the Chiefs wound up uh, running all over the Patriots as it turned out. And it was a very surprising result. And I think the Patriots are probably still kind of reeling and thinking, I know they're definitely not thinking about a perfect season because that's obviously out the window, uh, but they're definitely thinking they're going to need some uh, some reinforcement one way or another, game plan or personnel-wise or what have you, uh, to, to recover off of this uh, sort of soul-crushing loss that they had. Area code 404, you're on in much less detail. Please state your name, where you're from, and what's on your mind. Oh, what's up, man? This is Naj in Atlanta. What's going on? Naj, welcome back in. What's up? Uh, not much, man. Getting ready, I guess, for tomorrow. Seeing how these picks go. You know how it is, man. Maybe you win some money, maybe you lose some money. More likely lose. <laughs> but, uh, now, wait a minute. With us, not necessarily, because we're doing pretty well the last several years. Over 500 against the spread, you can't mess with our record. It's right there. It's out there for everybody to see in much less detail.blogspot.com. We lay it all on the line for everybody to see. And you're going to find out tonight what our picks are, what our rationale is. You can decide whether you like them or not. But our record is what it is, and we're not we're not BSing anybody. We're laying it all out there for you. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, but so, so far, so good. Huh? So people stop working. Yeah, I'm talking about some people stop working. Oh well, I mean, I mean those kind of wins. That's that's why <laughs> Vegas has limits on your bets. You can't go and and put all your money on 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 these games. Yeah, man. So, yeah, so I, I don't know which games you guys were getting into or targeting right now that I just called in. But, I mean, if you could fill me in, I, I definitely want to join in where, you, where you're going. Well, I'll, I'll put you on mute and we'll get to our picks and you can follow along and, and we'll see if you agree with uh, what we got going. So I'll, I'll put Naj and Atlanta on, on mute there and he can listen in. Uh, but, yeah, anything else about the uh, the Thursday night uh, upset that nobody saw coming, Casey, over New England? I, I really like what it says for the Chiefs because that's a, an element that they haven't had is an explosive offense. And if they can keep putting those drives together like that, I don't know if they're going to if they're gonna run into defenses like the Patriots that are going to let them put up drives like that because that was unbelievable. When you, when you talk about uh, Devin McCourty uh, and, and uh, the defender, Stephon Gilmore, when they're just staring at each other, like, dude, what happened? Like when, when, when that touchdown, that 75 yard bomb, the Tyree killed, they, I, they did not see that coming. They couldn't believe that that just happened. And then everybody sitting at home probably felt the same way. Yeah. And then, you know, and watch both of those long touchdown passes. If you, you go back and you watch the, the ball that he threw to Hill and the ball that uh, he dropped in, I mean, over the linebacker, the ball that he dropped into uh hunt, on that long touchdown pass. I mean, Alex Smith, that was some amazing accuracy. I mean, he hit the ball in stride going down the field. He was just, he was feeling it. I mean, you want to talk about about a guy that was feeling it. And then after you get plays like that, then you all of a sudden you start watching the running back making these, because what the Patriots didn't know what to do. All of a sudden you get the kid. Now you've got the Kansas city chiefs stretching your defense. You're done. Yeah. Yeah, not much you can do after that. All right, so we'll get on to our picks for week one here. Uh, 
told you about the blog site already. Our picks will be up there after we make our picks. In much less detail, blogspot.com is where you can find all of our picks. Uh, you're listening live to blogtalkradio.com slash in much less detail to get this show as a podcast later on after we're done with the live show and our after show. You can subscribe on your Apple device or tune in or Mixcloud or player.fm or Blueberry. Uh, or you can come back to the blog talk radio page and, and search through our archives. Uh, I'm on Twitter at IMLDDre. Jason's on Twitter at IMLDJTG. If you have any notes you want to send, you can send them to InMuchLessDetail at gmail.com. And I think we're ready to start picking for week one. All right. Our three highlight games this week, only three that we deemed worthy of talking about, uh, we are going to start here in my state of Tennessee. Not here in Memphis, because once again, the Memphis area has no use for the Titans after what happened in that long history. Go back and Google and research that if you want. The Nashville Titans, the Tennessee Titans of Nashville, uh, will be hosting the Oakland Raiders. And this is obviously a matchup of two teams in the AFC that a lot of people have uh, a lot of high hopes for, a lot of high plans, uh, a lot of people picking both teams for the playoffs, and of course, Jason is picking the Oakland Raiders to win the Super Bowl this year. That is all him. The Raiders, 12-4 and last year, of course, before the Derek Carr injury that knocked them out of the playoffs. They were 7-2 and on the road, if you count uh, off-site games. Uh, Tennessee, 5-3 and at home, 9-7 and overall, and a lot of people thinking Marcus Mariota and the Titans are gearing up for a playoff push this year. The Raiders are the cop-out line three-point underdogs at Tennessee, and I think that says a lot about people's expectations for the Titans, that the Raiders at 12-4 and four find themselves underdogs uh, to a team that didn't make the playoffs last year. So Oakland plus three at Tennessee. Jason, who you got? Well, this is a repeat of a game that was played last year, uh, week three, in Tennessee. Ended up being a fairly uh, low-scoring 17-10 game. Um, Oakland ended up beating Tennessee. But all the hallmarks were there of the things that you can love or hate about both teams, all in that one game. You had uh, the Raiders were actually out Tennessee Titans, and the Raiders ended up having to cling to their lead at the end for desperate, you know, just desperately hang on at the end of the game to secure a victory because nothing came for them easy last year early. Everything had to come down to the stretch, down to the wire, um, you know, and, and just leave you hanging, you know, just totally breathless with that Raiders team. And that's kind of what made them fun to watch. I'm going to actually go with the home team here and take the uh, and give the three points. Uh, so I'm going to take the Titans here, Titans team um, for that receiving core. So we're going to see, you know, we have Corey Davis, Rashard Matthews, um, Decker. It'd be really interesting to see how they match that is up against a really woefully undermanned um, and overmatched uh, Oakland secondary. I think this is a lot higher scoring than 17 to 10. Uh, I would not expect this to be on the underside um, like that game was. Um, and, you know, and we'll see how the Titans will react to this Oakland team with Marshawn Lynch now in the mix. Like I said, I don't expect this to be full-on beast mode. Um, I guess I do have the Raiders going 
Cleveland all the way this year, but this is a tough spot. This is a team that I actually, this is, believe it or not, this is my AFC championship preview because um, I have both of these teams in their respective divisions and going deep into the playoffs. I like them both. Top out line, of course, it's always smelling pushy. Um, we, you know, the first time we get to talk about that at all this year, you know, the, the, the wonderful, <laughs> wonderful smell of pushy. <laughs> um, that definitely, it definitely feels like it could go that way. So you got to pick a side. Uh, I'm going to go with the Titans. That the ground game, they had a huge game on the ground against the Raiders in the first matchup. I think the difference is this time is Mariota mixing in some more, just having more experience under his belt. Um, I think it's going to be an absolutely fun game and a total blast of a game to watch. I cannot wait for this one tomorrow. Uh-oh. Bar Scott, wake up. He said the magic words. Can't wait. So you certainly went over the, the points of the offense that uh, everyone's looking forward to, uh, and that's why the over-under is so big in, in this one. I actually think it might go under again uh, just because the Titans' defense is sort of a bend-but-don't-break, uh, and so the Raiders may not get as much in the end zone as they want. And the Titans are certainly facing a defense that will let you do whatever you want to them. But the Titans offense isn't evolved enough yet, maybe to take full advantage uh, the way they should. I, I like the Titans to get in the playoffs. Of course, I picked the Raiders to miss the playoffs. So that makes me the Raiders hater here, but I don't think the Titans are where they're going to be yet. I think they're going to evolve as an offense more as the season goes along, especially Corey Davis taking some time to sort of acclimate himself into the offense. So I don't think they're going to go bonkers necessarily tomorrow. Uh, but looking at that Oakland defense, oh, God, that Oakland defense is, is, we know, not my favorite defense. They do have their cornerback, David Amerson, up for the game. He was concussed. They were wondering about him. But they're going to need all they can because that rookie, that kid, Gary and Conley, the accused rapist, uh, he's likely not going to play already. Um, but like I said, I don't know if the Titans and Marcus Mariota are prepared to take full advantage of that quite yet. Uh, too bad Davis isn't ready to contribute quite yet against these cornerbacks. I think he this is the type of secondary that he could have a big day against, just uh, guys that are so susceptible to, to quick twitch moves and, and fakes, you know, fake up routes and, and slants and whatnot. Uh, but I tell you, uh, the, they get the, the Tennessee Titans must get pressure to cut off Derek Carr to, to make sure he doesn't get going the way that he's capable of going. And the Titans can do that. They, they do rush the passer well. They do create a lot of pressure. They do get their fair share of sacks. And that's going to be huge uh, to get Oakland uh, on the road, maybe before Derek Carr gets all the way back into the swing of things. Maybe the Raiders offense doesn't do what they're ready to do yet either, because maybe they still need some time. Um, and as far as the, the Raiders cornerbacks being so bad, but Tennessee maybe not quite being ready to take advantage. It's okay. Cause the Titans may just run over the, the Raiders anyway. They might just steamroll them in the ground game, uh, I don't think the Raiders are well-equipped defensively to stop anybody run or pass, and that's pretty much why I have them missing the playoffs. So I'm with you. I'm going to take the Titans and give the three points. Uh, 
not necessarily, you know, 50 or 60 points total that everybody else is predicting is what the over under is. I think it's 50 or something in that area. Uh, but but enough, enough for the Titans to grind it out and, and cover the number uh, and get the win. I think largely on the on the basis of their ground game, not necessarily through the air. Well, we just keep agreeing here. <laughs> I guess so. Well, it's two it's two picks. Our second highlight game is going to take us up to Jason's state that he's residing in in Wisconsin, where the Green Bay Packers were host the Seattle Seahawks. We didn't plan it like this, folks. We're not trying to cover the states that we reside in, trying to be homers. That just happens to be where the compelling matchups are this week in week one, in our opinions. And I don't think anyone would really disagree with those first two matchups. Seattle and Green Bay, Russell Wilson, hopefully all the way back from injury, hopefully for his sake. Uh, Seattle 10-5-1 last year, even with the hobbled Russell Wilson. 3-4-1 on the road. One of those losses uh, on the road was a big loss at Green Bay where Russell Wilson threw a career-high five interceptions and probably had his worst game as a professional in week 14 last year. The Packers 10-6 and six last year, 6-2 and two at home. Aaron Rodgers and company ready to host the Seahawks. Uh, this is a game with veteran coaches, so this is where I was checking uh, to see what these coaches that have been around a while have done in week one to see if I could find some maybe discrepancies and e- exploit some matchups there. But in this one, it's it's a wash because Pete Carroll of the Seahawks and Mike McCarthy of the Packers, both in week one, the last three years are two and one straight up and one and two against the spread. So that evens it's, itself out right there. The Packers are the cop-out line three-point home favorites against the Seattle Seahawks. So people pretty much see this as an evenly matched game either way. And and I'm not going to lie. I'm not a a ton confident in this pick. I could see it go either way. This should be a very exciting game. This one is the one that I have, I guess, being the offensive explosion, because this one I can see getting getting a 60 points total uh, real easy. I think both quarterbacks know their offenses very well. I think both coaches know their teams very well. Uh, both offensive coordinators know their teams very well. And I, I don't know if there's going to be a whole lot of defensive stands in this game, but the, the team that's going to make the defensive stand last is probably the team that's going to come out on top. And consequently, the team that doesn't protect their quarterback the best is probably going to be the team that goes down. Somebody's offensive line has to at least pretend like it's trying to pass protect in order to win this game. Because both those lines, the Seahawks and the Packers throughout the years, have had very much big-time issues trying to protect their quarterback. So we'll see how it goes tomorrow. Uh, Thomas Rawls is a game-time decision for Seattle in the run in the backfield at running back. So you know what that means. Probably a lot of Eddie Lacy uh, in his return to Green Bay. Very first game after leaving Green Bay, the longtime Packer, will be returning to Green Bay. We'll see if he can sort of conjure up the old magic and and get a big performance against his old mates, the Packers. Uh, In this one, as I sort of already said, I see a back-and-forth affair. I see it very close. I can see it going either way. But if I have to take one team to make the big defensive stand finally at the end, to say, okay, that's enough of these points. We're going to shut it down, and we're going to win the game for our team right here. 
you have to trust the Seahawks to be the team to do that because the Packers defense just is not prepared. They're not equipped to make that big play at the end of the game. And so through no fault of Aaron Rodgers, I've been talking so much about how I don't like how inconsistent Aaron Rodgers can be. And he certainly can be inconsistent. Uh, But I think he might have a big game tomorrow. I I don't know why he wouldn't come out with a a healthy Jordy Nelson and all his weapons ready to go. And he'll probably have a pretty big game. I just think the Seahawks and, and Russell Wilson are prepared to sort of match it and hang in there with them. And in the end, I'll take the Seahawks to make the big play and come out on top. Seattle with the win, covering plus three at Green Bay. Well, we're definitely going to agree here. Um, I also have the Seahawks, um, although I will explain this, how I came across having the Seahawks here by saying that I am in a, a pool at work. Uh, me and a couple other guys, we just pick the games every week. I just kind of got myself into this about a week ago. I'm like, oh, I'll pick games with you guys. Why not? I'm just, we're just picking them straight up. Just get the little sheet, you circle everything, and the winner, uh, the winner gets a uh, like a six pack of beer or something. I mean, yeah, I'm not big into the gambling, right? So, um, even though I'm on a gambling podcast, but hey, no, for the, never mind that for a moment. So, hmm. the tiebreaker in our little format that the guy that came up with this started out says the tiebreaker is going to be you have to pick the score of the Packers game. I'm like, okay. So I came up with a score because I'm a man of integrity. I didn't know what the line was um, because I'm a man of integrity. When I came up with the score, Packers 26, Seahawks 24, I was like, well, that's two points. It's a three-point spread. I guess I'm getting cute here. So I'm basically <laughs> taking the Seahawks and the points, but not necessarily to win the game. Um, it, it is a, a rematch of that game from last year that could not have left the Seahawks with a very good. I mean, that was one of Russell, that was probably Russell Wilson's worst performance, I think, that we've seen with all the picks, a lot of tip ball picks, but still a lot of picks. Um, and then I look at Green Bay, and you know, I saw that defense in person at the NFC Championship. That was hideously awful. Now, Seattle does not have the caliber of offense and offensive talent that the Atlanta Falcons did with, you know, with that record-setting offense that they had last year, but it was all sort of just laid bare for you because you saw it all year. You saw it all year with that Packers team that their defense is just criminally bad. Their offensive line is bad. I put, I, I went over and go back and listen to the uh, our preview shows for all the reasons why I'm not big on the Packers. But why I have them winning is because the Seahawks are notoriously slow starters. How many times are we going to see the Seahawks losing early? They're three and three. They're they're four and four, and then they they go on that little you know, little mini tear in the second half of the season when they realize like, oh oh yeah. We're the Seattle Seahawks. We need to go on a run here and get into the playoffs and win our easy-as-hell division. We're going to let the other teams think that they have a chance, but it seems like they're one of those teams that just builds their strength late, and then they just show up in the playoffs. So none for no other reason than I picked the score of this game ahead of the time, and I'm a man of my word. I'm not going to you know, go back and forth and waffle on um, something that I made there. And the fact that the Seahawks do traditionally start slow I'm going to go with, against my better judgment, um, the Seattle Seahawks in this game. Um, I had the Packers winning. 
think they're going to get the big bump from the crowd at home. I, I just, there's just Aaron Rodgers be the reason why they win this year. I don't like the running game. It's going to have to be him in that receiving court if he has time to make those plays. Um, and I've been sort of down on Aaron Rodgers the last couple of years because if Tom Brady's only move was the chuck it deep looking for pass interference against the Chiefs, we've seen this with Aaron Rodgers. His only move is try to catch the other team with 12 men on the field, try to get the guys <laughs> to jump off sides. If Aaron Rodgers is not getting three plays from the other team, he looks, look, he's looked fairly pedestrian because anybody looks fairly pedestrian when you're running for your life. You know, Don't be surprised tomorrow if Aaron Rodgers leads that team in rushing. I wouldn't be shocked oh. if we see Aaron Rodgers lead that team in rushing five or six times this season. Would not be stunned. And I guarantee they won't win if Aaron Rodgers is their leading rusher. They, they've done it though. This is this is just this is the way they they are. It's like he won't beat you with his arm, and he, but he still can beat you with his legs. Uh, that he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. That story about your point spread reminds me, and I, and I actually did mean to do this at the beginning of the show, that I should tell any new listeners where we're getting our point spreads from. You can get your spread from a million different sources and whatnot, uh, but the spread, but the source that we decided to go with years ago, and they're not endorsing us or anything, they're not compensating us at all, uh, but we used this free handicapping contest at covers.com uh, just because we always ran into the problem through the years of if a quarterback was questionable on the injury report or, or a, a prominent player was questionable, then a lot of the times you'd go to look for the, for that point spread in the newspaper and it wouldn't be there. It'd be off because the, whoever source that the newspaper was using did not want to set a spread for that game. If the quarterback was potentially not going to play, but just covers.com's uh, free handicapping contest every week. They're very good with keeping a spread, no matter what the situation is with the quarterback. And they're also very good at updating that spread when news comes out one way or another that affects it. There's very, very rarely uh, a game that doesn't have a point spread. So that's why we use them. They've been very consistent through the years, and we uh, we have no complaints with, uh, with that particular site. They've been good to us. All right, our third highlight game will go to Dallas, Texas on Sunday night for the apparently annual tradition of Giants versus Cowboys on Sunday night football. This is ridiculous. I, I, I bitched and moaned about it the last show a little bit, so I won't go on too much, but this is such a, a conspiracy that Ezekiel Elliott just happens to be cleared to play the the suspension investigation back on Tuesday when uh, if they if they upheld the suspension before 4 p.m. Eastern then he would have been uh, not playing potentially in this game but just by some miracle it's a miracle I tell you uh, that decision came down after 4 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday which meant that when they upheld the suspension at the time that meant he would somehow play on Sunday night on national television in front of millions of people, but then services game suspension starting the next game. This is before this weekend's uh, uh, results of his attempt to get a, a restraining order. Uh, and, and now the suspension isn't going to happen at all because we're going to go through the court system all over again in case you haven't heard. Uh, the Ezekiel suspension 
Ezekiel Elliott suspension apparently is is off at the moment, uh, pending further litigation. They cannot suspend him. He's got a, a restraining order from the courts. And here we go with the deflate gate all over again. Is what what is this uh, uh, slap gate or, or or bruise gate or some you know assault gate, what, whatever uh, situation this is with Ezekiel Elliott. Anyway, the Giants had eleven and five last year, four and four on the road. The Cowboys, of course, had great season of thirteen and three, seven and one at home. But uh oh. What was that one loss that they got last year? That's right. It was Sunday night, week one, hosting the New York Giants. And of those three losses last year, two of them came against the Giants. So apparently the Giants might be the Cowboys' kryptonite. And because the Cowboys are the Cowboys, the public doesn't seem to care. Or maybe it's a little bump from the Ezekiel Elliott news, knowing that he was definitely going to play. But in any event, the Cowboys give four points at home against the New York Giants. New York plus four at Dallas. Jason, what's your pick? Well, normally, you know, I'd be like, hey, there's an extra point in a you know, tough division game that almost that feels like a gift. Um, but since I have the Giants just winning the game outright, it's not really <laughs> a gift. I've got the Giants winning straight up here and kind of continuing this little, little mini dominance run that they've had against the Dallas Cowboys. The reason I like the Giants is they're a better defensive team. Um, I do think that the Giants – Offense matches up well against a Cowboys defense that has lost a lot of impact players. They lost Brandon Carr. They lost Barry Church. You can't be losing guys out of your back end that was bad to begin with, and then they lost the best guys. So now they're measurably worse. Uh, So you're going to have Manning. I think he's going to have a lot of uh, a lot of guys running free through that secondary. He's going to be able to make some big plays. And we saw that Giants defense last year that sort of let's buy ourselves a defense, and it didn't work the best early. But by the end of the year, when you looked up, the Giants were one of the best defensive leagues uh, teams in football, one of the best defensive teams in the league. So overall, the the whole Ezekiel Elliott thing is a mess. Something, something stinks about the whole thing just in general. Uh, this feels like one of those things where, you know, watch out, Ezekiel Elliott's going to, like, go run off to the right, and then the turf monster is going to jump up and grab him. Because how do we know how he's conditioning? We you know what he's doing. Is he going to play? Isn't he going to play? You see these guys getting hurt. A lot of these injuries that are creeping up week one, um, and, you know, one of the overriding things that you heard during the game on Sunday, uh, Thursday night was the was, was Michaels and Collinsworth as they're commentating on the fact that, you know, a lot of these guys, they just don't play in the preseason. Now, they're doing it to keep these guys healthy, but you get into these guys, they come up lame. And, and so you sort of, okay, well, is, is practice good for these guys or is practice bad? In a, in a timing sport such as football, but also a contact sport, you'd almost think that you have to strike that perfect balance almost made it harder with all of the stuff about the OTAs and you can only do so much of this stuff. You got to do this much non-contact stuff. And these guys just don't play in the preseason. I don't know, especially with this whole thing hanging over Ezekiel Elliott, if he is going to be in this game, what he was last year. Now, as they build through this, if he doesn't get hurt, as I've somehow just kind of predicted, um, through all of that, I think he'll end up being fine long-term because if it's just going to be one of those things that's going to go away for the whole rest of the year, 
they'll have to answer all the questions about it here early, and I think that they'll just kind of build back into place and they'll get better because they do still have the best offensive line in football. Um, I do expect a little bit of a backslide. I think anybody would be crazy not to expect Dak Prescott to, to move back a little bit off of what he did last year. Um, all the clutch throws that he made didn't have a lot of big numbers. It wasn't stuff in the stat sheet, but he was so clutch. Um, but against a defense like the Giants in a big spot like this, I mean, maybe he won't have all the magic. So I'm looking for the Giants to go in there and upset the party again. You're not wishing injury, of course, on Ezekiel Elliott. No. You're just saying possibly conditioning, possibly karma yes. uh, might come up and, and bite him in the ass. I don't want him to get hurt. Just, just clarifying. Making sure we're, we're not misunderstood out there. You mentioned that Cowboys defense. Of course, they were hoping and praying and breaking out the voodoo dolls uh, that Odell Beckham isn't able to make it on the field. Uh, because if anyone saw, I don't know, did, did you see the actual injury that, that he suffered in the preseason? I actually did see that. I did not. It was strange because he looked like he was trying to jog it off or walk it off at first. And you you kind of breathe a sigh of relief. It was one of those deals where we went up to uh, try to catch a ball. And right as he's coming down at the exact same time, just bad timing, the defender happens to come in low uh, and twist up his ankle. And he tries to sort of jog it off, and then he gets down the tunnel, and the camera is still following him. And next thing you know, he's on his knees. Like, he looked like he was crying almost. He was in such pain. And you go, oh, no, this is no good. And he hasn't played since. And they do not have a, a, a definitive answer on whether he's going to play. He's 50-50. He is there in Dallas. He did get on the team playing. But that ankle don't look so good. Uh, and I would – guess that if even if he does play he's not going to be all that effective because that's a pretty bad looking sprain that he had and it was only two or three short weeks ago that it happened so for him to bounce back that quickly uh, I don't I don't think that's going to really happen that way but last year the big touchdown in that week one Giants victory over the Cowboys wasn't even scored by Odell Beckham it was scored by Sterling Shepard so I'm not saying that Eli Manning and the Giants don't need Odell Beckham, but I'm just saying he isn't the whole team. He seems like he's the whole team a lot of times, but Eli Manning can spread the ball around to other targets. They bring in Brandon Marshall as much as I think he's a douchebag. Personally, he is a professional wide receiver. Uh, we talked about uh, Sterling Shepard. They got the draft pick at tight end, Evan Ingram. There's, there's weapons. There's things for Eli Manning and the Giants to do there. Even if the running game doesn't work the way they want with Paul Perkins, uh, they might wind up having to trust Eli to win this game with his arm. And one more time, I think Eli Manning is going to win a game with his arm and, and beat the Cowboys. I'm kumbaya with you on all three of these highlight picks. I will also take the Giants and the four points. I'm a little puzzled as to why the Cowboys are four-point favors. I understand they were 13-3 and three last year and had a, great, a very good season, but that kind of ignores the fact that two of those three losses were to these New York Giants, as I just said. Um, if the New York Giants defense is as good as we both think they are, and we both have them winning the division and, and uh, being right there in the playoffs, they got to start off hot. They got to take Ezekiel Elliott and try to, to contain him as much as possible. They got to take Dak Prescott and, and sort of beat him a, a around a little bit and show him, hey, you, you did a lot of great things 
last year in your rookie year, but you didn't do a lot of great things against us. So we're going to uh, show you once again that we have your number and we know what to do with you. Uh, Eli can beat those Dallas defensive backs, even without Odell Beckham, as you talked about. The Cowboys secondary has been trash for quite a while and doesn't seem to be getting any better losing Morris Claiborne, losing Barry Church. And, and uh, if they can replace them and, and turn in a better effort tomorrow night, then uh, all power to them. But I'm not going to pick that to happen. I'm with you going with the Giants. And we got a little rapid fire here for the rest of the show now. As we always do. It's uh, helped out a little bit, the rapid fire, because of the fact that we're only uh, remaining with 11 more games, not 12, because uh, Miami and Tampa will not be playing, of course, because of Hurricane Irma. Of course, all of our thoughts and wishes go out to the people down there in Florida dealing with this terrible, terrible hurricane. Moving on to the rest of week one in even more or less detail, we'll start in our actual hometown, not where we're living, but where we're both from, of course, Chicago, Illinois. Oh, those Chicago Bears, they will be hosting the NFC champion Atlanta Falcons, who hopefully will not take a 28-3 lead in Chicago because then they might start sweating and breaking out and having really bad flashbacks. The Falcons, 11-5 and five last year, the Bears 3-13. and 13. So no surprise, the Falcons' big six-point road favorites at the Bears. Yeah, interesting stat. The Falcons haven't won in Chicago in 30 years. Those Falcon teams were mostly shit. I'm going to take the Falcons here. <laughs> Lock of the week. Oh! Um, I don't want to be... I don't want to be... Mike Glennon and those guys already with defensive injuries. Are you kidding me? So you kidding me? Tamura, uh, one of the linebackers, they're already looking at defensive injuries on the Bears, and you're about to play what was last year the best offensive team in football that set record, like NFL records in categories. I don't want to be them this week coming up, coming up against a team that's probably wants to let off a little steam. Our first lock of the season right there. Um, I will take the Falcons and I will give the six. I don't know how you can take anything other than that. If Matty Ice falls off this year, it will be against a better secondary than this. Trust us. Believe that. The uh, Steelers and the Browns, this is the biggest spread of the week. That's no surprise either. Uh, Cleveland, 1-15 last year in Pittsburgh, 11-5. and And the Steelers are nine-point road favorites at Cleveland. Yeah, and then, you know all the talk is about Deshaun Kaiser. And he gets to make his first NFL start, and you know what? I'm gonna go with these Cleveland Browns to stay within nine in a divisional matchup. I'll get the Brown fever here for one week. I'm gonna give these guys a chance. I'm still taking the Steelers to win. No, sure. Uh, this is uh, one of those coaches that have a lot of experience with their teams, uh, Mike. Tomlin and the Steelers the last three years in week one, two and one straight up, uh, one and one with one push against the spread. So not bad. They they don't come out and lay a, a turd. So that's good. Uh, I was rooting for the Browns. I was thinking I was going to pick the Browns all week. I kind of looked at the, the stats and, and saw that Miles Garrett is not going to make it already. Uh, the, the prized rookie number one draft pick is already hurt and he's going to miss the game. And uh, I'll be rooting for the Browns. Go, go Browns. Uh, I'll be hoping that you hang in there and contend and compete. I'm going to take the Steelers and give the nine points, but I'll be rooting for the Browns. I'll 
I'm hoping that they're going to be more competitive. Uh, Joe Hayden, of course, returning in this game for the Steelers, one of three uh, sort of interesting returns in week one of guys that used to be with their teams for a long time and immediately coming back in week one. We talked about Eddie Lacy, and, and now we got Joe Hayden coming back, and we got one more later on that we'll talk about. But, yeah, that, that's the first disagreement that we've had all season. I will take uh, the Steelers and give the nine. Uh, the Jags and the Texans in an AFC South matchup. Jacksonville was 3-13 and last year, but both of us have them going from 3-13 and into the playoffs. It, this would be a nice spot to to start that uh, mission to knock off the hated division rival Houston Texans, who were nine and seven last year. Jacksonville is a five point road uh, underdog at Houston. Yeah, I'm going to take the five points, and I'm going to take the Jags straight up with that new look defense going up against Tom Savage and uh, that no offense Texans team. It, it, yeah, maybe J.J. Watt can go out and win this game all by himself and Houston strong their way to victory. But on the X's and O's, I think that the Jaguars present a, a decent challenge here. That should be a good offense. I think we're going to get a lot of Leonard Fournette, especially here early. Oh, by the way, it doesn't help when Tom Savage is going to be out there throwing the ball to DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller is out. I mean, so the weapons just aren't going to be there. This Texans offense, you've got these guys winning the division. More power to you. I'm taking the Jags here on the road to get off on a good on, on a right foot here. Will Fuller out, Jalen Strong out. Uh, the left tackle, Dwayne Brown, is not going to play either. Yeah, that's quite the tall task. Uh, either way, we got storylines. One way or another in this game, some storylines are going to come out. Either the uh, Hurricane Harvey redemption story begins if the Texans pull it out, or the Jags hype uh, ramps up again. You know how every time the Jacksonville Jaguars have a decent-looking team that the hype machine starts and everybody starts. But we're we're starting the hype machine ourselves, actually, because we picked them to make the playoffs this year. So uh, we're, we're kind of starting it early. This is a lock to be an under. I, I see I pump faked you there. It's not my lock of the week. This is a lock to be <laughs> under in points because there's no way these two are getting above 30 points or so. Uh, this is another, uh, this is the third big return. AJ boy, my guy, uh, Jacksonville Jaguar free agent returns immediately to the Houston Texans. Uh, and we'll see what he's got for the Texans. Uh, you got to assume he's going to stick DeAndre Hopkins and th that should be a very interesting oh, matchup. Yeah. The Texans have won the last six games against the Jaguars, but Last year, they won those two games by a combined four points. They're not blowing anybody out, I don't believe. Um, I actually think Houston could win the game, probably win the game, but hey, I'll, I'll take the five points. I thought that was a little big, uh, the five points. So I'm with you with the point spread. I will take the Jaguars as well. Off to the NFC East, the Eagles and the Redskins. Philly at 7-9, seven 1-7 and nine, one and seven on the road last year. Ooh, that's not good. What did they start? Were they – were they three and zero? And when the yeah. when the Carson Wentz oh, yeah, hype uh, was was off the charts, uh, yeah, and finished shit. seven and nine. Uh, the Redskins eight seven and one also missed the playoffs four and four at home last year. The Eagles on the road are one point favorites at Kirk Cousins and the Washington Redskins. What does that say about the Redskins? Yeah, I don't know, but I'm going to take uh, the Washington Redskins here because I think Kurt, uh, Kurt Warner is on his 
It's my money, and I want it now tour. He is out for some money. He is trying to look to get paid. I think he's, and I think he is going to be on a mission this season. Um, and I don't like the Eagles all that much in general. I know they're nice on defense. I don't trust that offense of theirs. I'm not a big Carson Wentz guy. Uh, I think at home, this is enough for Kirk Cousins and the Redskins to eke out a victory, which is all they need to do because they're on the minus side here. So, yeah, just uh, give me the Redskins straight up. See, Bruce Allen did his job. He he got into your head calling Kirk Cousins Kurt repeatedly at that uh, slanderous press conference that he gave trying to put Kirk Cousins' name in the dirt. Uh, you called him Kurt Warner. You said Kurt Warner is trying to get that money, and Kurt Warner's already got his money, but Kurt Cousins is trying to get his money for sure. The, uh, he's definitely leaving after this year to go somewhere else. He's not staying with the Redskins. That franchise is trash. Uh, th- th- this franchise is such trash that the one like one possible little glimmer of good news they got in the offseason was they get a bunch of, of sacks from Trent Murphy last year. He kind of comes out of nowhere and gets nine sacks and, and becomes a force for them. And you, then you find out immediately why he became a force of them suddenly because he gets popped for PEDs and suspended for the first four games of this year. The glimmer of good news is that he manages to hurt himself in the off season. He's out for the year anyway. So he gets to serve his four game suspension when he wouldn't be able to play anyhow, because he's hurt. So good, good job. Good, good job out of you guys, Redskins. Good way to have some sort of positive, uh, happen there. Um, I hate the Redskins. I hate this organization. It, it just sucks. Uh, I, I'm going to take the Eagles. Washington is 5-0 and their last five games against the Philadelphia Eagles, and I'm taking the Eagles anyway because just like the public, I don't have any respect for the Redskins. And also, oh, by the way, uh, Jay Gruden, Mr. Overmatched, uh, you want to find some guys that don't start very well with their teams? The last three years, the Redskins in week one – 0-3 straight up, 0-3 against the spread. Yeah, I'll take the Eagles. I like that pick a lot. You like that? Yes, I like that. The Bills and the Jets, uh, yet another lock for an under. Um, the Jets, are, oh, God. Uh, the Jets were 5-11, and the Bills were 7-9, and and both teams seem to be completely starting over from scratch, which is why I'm a little surprised that the Jets are eight-point underdogs at the Bills. I just I hate this game. I mean, this is not a game that if you're thinking about gambling that you should even sniff, but we're going to pick it anyways. I just think it's too many points for a division game. I think both teams are dog shit. Low scoring, junk game of the week. I'm going to take the eight and, and run and hide. Yeah, you know how I talked on the last show about taking a, a team that's a big underdog that I think may even win the game, and, and I kind of have to take that as my lock. If I think the Jets might actually beat the Bills straight up, then of course I have to lock it in if they're – uh, an eight-point underdog, right? <sighs> I'm not proud of myself, but I, I will take the Jets and, and plus eight, and I'll lock it up because I, I certainly think they can win the game. I don't have any confidence in the Buffalo Bills. Uh, the Ravens and the Bengals, uh, Baltimore eight and eight last year since the six, nine, and one. Get the old cop-out line, Joe Flacco and the Ravens, plus three at Andy Dalton and the Bengals. Yeah, I'm going to take the Bengals. I just think they're the better, more talented team. Yeah, they're the stupidest team in football, but I think that the Ravens are getting old and slow and tired, and 
we talked about this in the preseason, you know, one team's coached well, the other one's not. One team's more talented, the other one's not. I'm going to go with talent here in week one. Everyone's fresh. Give me the Bengals. Yeah, this is a tough one for me to look at because you got a Cincy D with multiple guys suspended and missing the game. Vontez Burfecht won't play. Pac-Man Jones won't play against uh, a Baltimore team with a quarterback who hasn't played in forever because Joe Flacco, I guess he's good. I guess he's okay, but you, you didn't see much of him during the preseason at all, but I guess he'll be out there. The, uh, unfortunately, the Bengals uh, have the advantage when you talk about teams that start pretty well. They're 3-0 and the last three seasons in week one. They're 2-1 and against the spread, but the one loss was they were two-point favorites against the Jets and only beat them by one. So that's one of those things that could have gone either way. I, I will take the Bengals as well and give the three points. Arizona and Detroit, the Cardinals, uh, seven, eight, and one last year. Detroit nine and seven. Arizona is a two and a half point favorite on the road. Arizona gives two and a half at Detroit. Yeah. To a playoff team that was all smoke and mirrors. Yeah, give me the Cardinals. <laughs> yeah, we know you didn't respect uh, the the Lions last year because they weren't exactly blowing anybody out. Uh, however, Arizona trying to make up for the defenders that they lost. Uh, we talked about that a little bit the last show. And Deion Buchanan, the linebacker who used to be a safety roving around blitzing everywhere, he's not going to play. I'm going to take China Doll to come through. Uh, he's facing a heavy blitzing team, but I think he's going to dance around a little bit. He doesn't have a whole lot of mobility in the pocket, but he's got enough, just barely enough, and I'll take the Lions, and I'll take the two-and-a-half points. The Indianapolis Colts and the Los Angeles Rams. Andrew Luck is not available, so Scott Tolzien steps up for the Colts. Good luck, son. Colts are four-and-a-half-point underdogs at the Rams. Yeah, no Scott, uh, no Andrew Luck, no Monte Davis. The Rams, this might be the only time they're favorited all year, but I'm taking them. Give me the Rams. I concur. My stomach is twisting and twirling as I say that, but – uh, but I'll concur with that. And the less said about that, the better. Carolina and San Francisco. Cam Newton didn't play during the preseason at all either. He had like two passes. So we'll see what he's got. Uh, Panthers are four and a half point favorites at the 49ers with Kyle Shanahan. I'm at the helm the Panthers now. here, but I'm a little wary. As OC of the Falcons last year, ran up 81 points on the Carolina Panthers. I'm so wary of it. I'm taking the 49ers to win. I can't believe I'm saying that, but I'm thinking maybe Kyle Shanahan will scheme something up and and he'll have a little something. It's not the best offense to debut a, a new run D, but they got a new run D and and I don't know. I, I got a feeling that San Fran will be a little better this year than most people think. On Monday night, the doubleheader on ESPN. First, we'll start in Minnesota. Where Drew Brees and the Saints come to visit the Vikings. Uh, the cop-out line, New Orleans, plus three at Minnesota. Unless the Saints are going to start playing some defense, I'm going to roll with the Minnesota Vikings. Give me the Vikings and the Sam Bradford-led offense. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I know. But here's another one influencing my pick. Sean Payton in New Orleans, week one, the last three years, 0-3 straight up, 0-3 against the spread. I will take the Vikings as well and give the three. And the Los Angeles Chargers, which is going to take forever to get used to saying that, uh, that's also a cop-out line, three-point underdogs at the Denver Broncos. Weird things go bump in the night on Monday night in that late game. I'm taking the Chargers to win. 
Philip Rivers starts strong and fades late. That's what's been going on. He's an old guy. This is what they do. Give me the Chargers to sneak one in and win the game. I concur. Weird things happen on Monday night, and I'll take the Chargers to win as well. More on our after show when we come back. And now in, into our VIP after show program. <sighs> that oh, oh, those last five minutes just—I I got to start shutting up or being more concise with my words. I, I just go on and on, and I look up, and we got two minutes left for four games. Like, oh no, <laughs> that, that's on me. I'll so, take the responsibility. I, I, I'm, I still got to get better. For rusty week one, we got to get the time. Uh oh, are you are you with me? Hello. Hey, are you there? Okay, now you're back. Yeah. So I may be, I don't know if I've been cutting out at all during the show tonight because see what happened tonight was yeah you you, laptop, you have yeah my laptop which I usually use I accidentally left at work tonight so I've been oh. wireless tonight so so you've been cutting okay. out in my ear a lot tonight and. So what what's ap- what happens is I'm not, I'm not catching everything you're saying, but since I know where you're going with most, most everything, I've been able to stay on and keep up. So it's one of those shows again where I'm not hearing everything that you're saying, but I'm 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 I'm, I'm soldiering along. So um, not sure yeah, how long I'll be able to stick through this through this after show because I hear a lot of you sound like you're on auto tune a lot of the show to me. I, I'm not T-Pain. I'm not trying to be on auto-tune. Yeah, I thought it was my connection, but yeah, you were breaking up throughout the show. Uh, not so bad that I couldn't hear you, but it was just, it was choppy. But sure. I, I, so now I know what that was. So that's okay. That, that at least makes me breathe a little better because I thought it was my internet connection again. So, but hey, we got through no, it. We got yeah, all the Next week the for the shows, in. I'll make sure I have my laptop at home. Yes, that would be optimal. Um, count up how many games were different here. Um, shout out to uh, Naj in Atlanta. He held on. I don't know when 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 people hold on and listen. When I put them on mute, I don't know if if that's what the the, the way they prefer to listen, or if they expect me to bring them back up and and have them talk again. I think he kind of expected me to bring him back in and have him pick the games along with us which is, I'm not totally against the concept, but as you saw, our show is so tight, trying to get all uh, all of our picks in in the hour, there's really not much room to let somebody else be uh, sort of a third host on the show. Uh, but to Naj or anybody else, if you want to send in your picks uh, to pick along with us and we'll keep track of them, I, I have no problem doing that. If you want to email, email them to me at uh, inmuchlessdetail at gmail.com, uh, or shoot them to me on Twitter at IMLDDre, or shoot them to Jason at IMLDJTG. Uh, you, hell, you can even put them on the uh, the comment section of the blog when you when when we put our picks up at inmuchlessdetail.blogspot.com. You can leave it in your in the comment section, and I'll keep track of them. If you want to play along with us and see how you do, I, I have no problem with that at all. I, I just don't think I can fit a, a third person in to make the picks uh, during the live show because it's. We're, we're so tight on time as it is. Uh, but yeah, that, that'd that be cool. That'd be fine to, to play along with somebody else. Uh, no problem at all with that. 
uh, as far as our picks this week, I don't, we weren't different on very much. We were definitely uh, hand in hand with a lot of these picks. Uh, one, two, I, I, I know counting out loud isn't the best radio, but that's the only way I know how to, to do this. I can't do it silently. One, two, three, four. That four? That's it? Wow. Okay. Yeah, we're different on only four picks this week. So we, we definitely have a lot of the same uh, vision when it comes to week one. And that's a little scary because well, usually we're like nine or ten different in, in week one yeah. and we wind up like splitting them or something. Or as we've had twice now in the last uh, several years, uh, let's see, the first year of the podcast, you and I differed on uh, 10, and I believe I went 9-0-1 oh, against you. And then last year, you basically yeah. did the same thing to me. And it, so we ran the table on each other in two different seasons because we had those, you know, one person basically just ran out. No one's running away with it. This Even if one of us loses, we're only four games out. Um, so I, I guess we could kind of live with that. Although people want to mail us their picks, um, exempting and and not allowing uh, the shutdown corner guy to do that because he'll pick it to <laughs> us on Tuesday morning. That doesn't count. Of course you have to send us our picks before the game start on Sunday for it to matter. If you do it after right. that, it doesn't. we're not acknowledging it. Yes, there's a long <laughs> history on our show. Anybody's welcome to go back over the years. Uh, we are a little, a little rough on uh, uh, Mr. Schwab over at the shutdown on Yahoo. And all because of one game that he said that he picked <laughs> something to happen, but he still ended up posting his victory on his pick um, after the result of the game was over the next day. And, and you and I, I, I believe I brought that up on our show the one night, and you went and checked it. He's like, yeah, come on. Don't even admit to so that. He, oh, well, I, had, he, I had that last night. First of all, he didn't, he didn't make his Thursday night picks on his uh, Yahoo blog. He, implores you to go follow him on Twitter to see his Thursday night pick, which is right up straight up bullshit right off the bat. Cause I'm not following you on Twitter. Cause I don't think you're all that compelling. Uh, so he's just trying to get Twitter followers doing it that way. But well, what happened was games under 500. It's, it, oh, you know, that one, oh. oh man. Oh. He had one of the worst years you could imagine. And to his yeah. credit, he came back and, and started picking again the next year and actually did a lot yeah. better. Uh, but what happened was, it was line. Oof. Uh, he may have been below it, uh, but it was a, a, a Thursday night. It happened to be Halloween, whatever the last uh, Thursday uh, where Halloween fell. And he claimed to be out trick-or-treating with his nephews or something and forgot to put the, the pick in on Twitter, but still took credit for the victory, the, the winning pick the next day, Friday, when he, when he put, posted his blog, even though he didn't put the pick out there publicly for anybody to see. Yeah, we called bullshit on that one. And then yeah. that put the guy on our radar, and then we relentlessly dogged him the rest of the year as he kept putting up, like, three and four-win weeks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, we were kind of hard on him, but he done. earned it. I mean, we are we are susceptible to three and four weeks just, just as he is, but we try to not stack them. In. <laughs> <laughs> we don't try to have them at all. We just... We were a lot better right. at picking than he is. That's all. But he probably hasn't been doing it since sixth or seventh grade, like we have. Yeah, but four, four only differing on four games. You know where this is going. I mean, you know this is going to be a two and two. I'm right? afraid. 
Yeah, I'm afraid of yeah. two and two, and 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 we get trounced on the other games that we agree on. I'm, I'm very afraid of that. Yeah, I do not want to do that. I really don't. Yeah, because we are definitely in lockstep. But a lot of our preseason predictions meshed up. Although interestingly, in this show, we went against each other. We went sort of against the tide of some of our predictions as well. So a very very interesting week one is always very unique. Week two is, I think doubly hard. I mean, week two is the overreaction to week one where you right. see all the betting lines in Vegas overreact. Like, watch the Patriots next week at New Orleans. Watch what happens with that spread next week. Are you calling them to be underdogs? Boy. <laughs> how would that? How crazy would that be, huh? <laughs> if they are, and that's a big if, if they're underdogs, it's only going to be like one and a half or two at the most. Um, we'll see, but you're looking at that defense going into the dome against uh, Drew Brees and Adrian Peterson. I mean, it, it, boy, they made, they made Alex Smith look like a real <laughs> deep ball threat, competent quarterback, and you've got a Hall of Famer that you're going to play. Now, could th- that may end up being, you know, the – the sucker bet because if you, you don't think Bill Belichick and all that with the coaching and the their docs that oh, yeah. or come up with team. So very interesting the chess match that you're not only gonna have with the teams going into that game, but that you're also gonna have with the betting public and the line. I have a feeling that line is gonna vacillate a lot from where it opens up. I think you're gonna see an interesting, you know, when you see the open and you watch the trend. I'm gonna actually next week I will be on the on the covers dot com that I watched that graph that shows you where the line moved all week, that's going to look earthquake. It's going to look like the <laughs> seismograph. That's going to be a ridiculous movement, I bet you, on that line as the number sways back and forth. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. I, I'm going to be very interested in that as well. I can't imagine after all – this is undefeated. They're, they're going to be undefeated after one game. They're going to be underdogs at New Orleans who can't make the playoffs uh, in, in recent years. I, I have a hard time believing, but it's. I guess it's possible. I guess anything's possible. Who's coming up with this undefeated stuff, though? That is, Did you okay, watch the NBC make, uh, pregame gonna, coverage? I'm going to make fun of NFL Network here for a minute. I'm watching their their morning show. Um, one of the morning, you know, getting ready for football. I think it was it was Thursday in the morning, maybe even Wednesday. Uh, but two things happened. One, uh, they were doing their sort of like dark horse Super Bowl picks, and one of the guys picked the Saints as his dark horse Super Bowl pick, and he pulled that out. You know, he pulled the name out of a hat. So I instantly lost respect <laughs> for that guy. And then the other thing is they actually had an entire segment. This is what happens when you have all this media focus and everything where everybody stood around in front of the big board and decided to talk about what the first offensive play for the Patriots is going to be. I don't know if anybody had what? long, deep com- incompletion to Dwayne Allen. But yeah, <laughs> what, what's the Patriots' first offensive play going to be? And they devoted an entire segment to everybody standing around trying to sound smart as if they're going to predict what the first offensive – is anybody trying to predict what the Rams' first offensive play is going to be against the Colts tomorrow? You want to talk about filling the airtime for something completely meaningless and stupid. Got on Twitter, and that is bad if it gets me to do to go on Twitter to, to, to mock somebody. That was just 
I had to yeah, that that's that, that's awful. But that's did you see the NBC uh, pregame stuff? Because that's where they were talking about the Patriots are perfectly set up to be undefeated and whatnot. And that was equally as ridiculous because you talk about pulling something out of your ass. How on what planet does a team lose its best receiver from the year before and is perfectly set up to have a perfect season? What the, where do you even dream that stuff up? All that is, is you're hosting the game in new England. You're pandering to all the new England people that are watching. You're, you're getting them all lathered up and ready for the game. Completely pulling that out of your ass completely. And it was just so fun. At, at, at one point, you know, after the tide turns and the and the Chiefs take the lead, you can't help but root for the Chiefs to go ahead and win the game just to shove it up the ass of all the people thinking that the Patriots are going to go undefeated, just to laugh at the dumbasses talking about undefeated season. Like, that's just so ludicrous. To, and, and, of course, my theory is they're not going to uh, win the Super Bowl again because they're not going to be as uniquely motivated as they were to to shove it up Roger Goodell's ass for all the Deflategate stuff. They won the title. They got to embarrass him on the stage. They got everybody to boo him. Uh, I think they, you know, it, it's really hard to once again motivate yourself after you've achieved something like that. So to go all the way the other direction and say not only are they going to motivate themselves and win the title again, but they're going to run the table and, and be perfect. I don't know if you're the Chiefs. I don't know how you couldn't have been at least a little motivated by all of that because that is such an insult to you coming in there. And all here, there, here's the past season. Here's the first team that's going to get whooped by the by the Patriots right off the bat. And yeah, if I'm the Chiefs, I'm like, really? Okay, here's here's a little bit of this, and here's a little bit of that. And, and how's your undefeated streak taste? How does tell me how my ass tastes? How's that taste right now? So uh, that was just ridiculous. I'm, I I don't know if you watched any of that on NBC, but if so. You got some crap on NFL Network, and I'm glad I missed. And if you missed the NBC stuff about undefeated, then I got some crap, and, and I'm glad that you missed that. Yeah, I think that I'm just glad that there's actually games being played now. I think the run-up to the kickoff and the and, and all of the preseason stuff and the predictions, and even even we do it. And even we go on and do a – we did a three-hour show on Tuesday – um, with all of our NFL predictions and breakdowns, and just kind of we got it off our chests, and, and it's done. And now we're actually talking about football and games, and you know, and X's and O's, and, and who we like, and what. And it's it, it's finally back to just playing the game again, and we can get rid of some of this. This Kelsey interview about how he's you know apparently <laughs> had this you know epiphany and he's found Jesus and. He's got to be more mature. He even had himself looking all clean cut and dressed all snappy in a flowery suit. I don't know if you saw that, um, but hey, I guess you're if you're secure enough in your manhood that you wear a red suit with flowers all over it. You go, Travis Kelsey, and shove that ball into that guy's dick. <laughs> uh, he's allowed to to rock whatever he wants to rock. He, if, if that works for him, if that's the lifestyle that he chooses, if he has those tendencies, then who are we to judge? Oh, I'm channeling Sebastian again. Uh, I, I that if you if you don't have anything else, I think we're gonna call it because of the the breaking up and whatnot. So if that's okay with you. No, sounds good. I think yeah, I think four and a almost four and a half hours of talking football this week is is enough for me.
enough talking about it time to play it tomorrow I, i'm i'm fired up i know you're fired up too uh tuesday night is good for the recap show hello we have lost jason even earlier than we thought are you are you there there you are hello yeah <laughs> you could even hear me cutting in and out. I wasn't even talking at all yeah. in that. So I didn't I didn't catch a word you just said. That was about the worst <laughs> I've had so far tonight. All I was saying was it's Tuesday night at nine, good for our recap show. Ooh boy. All right, Jason, are you there? I I'm here. I'm not here. I don't hear anything you say. I oh say my okay. and then I hear you go, Are you there? Yeah, yeah no, it's it's bad. I will not. Uh, I will not have this issue uh, again. I realized I was halfway home from work and was going back, and I was like, "Oh fuck!" I'm, you know, I'll do this the way that I really prefer not to. I almost thought about doing the, just the call-in way, which I probably would have been better doing. But at least it was enough that I made it through the show. I was worried every time you started to fade out a little bit in my headphones that I was just going to be completely gone. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to get off the show. <laughs> I can't hear anything anymore. So I will, uh, I'll talk at you. I'm assuming Tuesday night, uh, normal time, unless you got something going on. That's exactly what I've been trying to ask you. (laughs) It was Tuesday at 9 p.m., the okay for our recap show. Sure. I asked it twice. I asked it twice and you cut out both times. (laughs) Yeah. No, Tuesday at 9 p.m., I should be all, all good, ready to go for, uh, our week one recap show, and I'll be prepared. Beautiful. He's Jay. I'm Dre. This has been in much less detail the podcast. We made it all the way through the picks despite all odds. We just we hang in there and we keep fighting for you, the listener, especially Naj, the listener down in Atlanta. Naj, I, I didn't want to try to get you in because you might be get, gotten squeezed out because of the time constraints. But hey, you want to send us our picks? Uh, send us your picks and, and we'll, we'll keep up with your picks and we'll see how you do against us. That's absolutely no problem with us. Little Southern hospitality on our show. Uh, we will talk to you as Jason finally let me know Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Central for our recap of NFL week number one. Ready for some football. Talk to you then. Uh, Cadillac grills. 